You set foot on foreign soil. Only this land isn't ruled by any country or government. In this land we celebrate music. In this land we celebrate games. In this land we celebrate those who compose video game music. Welcome to the VG Embassy. Embassy. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the VG Embassy. This is a show centered around video game music and the amazing online community of fans and podcasters that enjoy it. My name's Ed, and on each episode I'll take the role of Prime VGM Minister and invite a guest VG Ambassador onto the show to share with us their own special brand of video game music culture. Or I may share a part of my culture on a solo show. And uh, solo show it is again, but this show kind of came about because I think the stars aligned perfectly. I was trying to think about a topic that really got me excited about getting back into releasing regular podcasts, and it's been a while since I've been able to find my groove, got into a little bit of a creative rut, and out of nowhere, a game that I've fallen in love with over the past year or so announced that it was coming out of early access and releasing its final full form on my birthday, October 20th. So I took that as a sign from the gods that uh, doing a show on this particular theme would be fun. So considering that it's, uh, like I said, my birthday coming up on the 20th, which will be right around the time this show releases, and Halloween on the 31st, of course, puts it in kind of a spooky month. So we're going to do a combination birthday-Halloween episode based on, I don't know, the, the genre can be explained in many different ways. I've heard them called reverse bullet hells, uh, arena shooters... Um, survive em ups games that are essentially taken from a top-down view, and the player has to face off against hordes and hordes and hordes of enemies, and different elements of gameplay come in depending on the game, and we'll kind of go over that as we go throughout the show. Uh, not particularly twin-stick shooters, although some of these games kind of fall into that category, a lot of the games that we're going to be talking about on this show are games where the weapons fire passively, and all you need to do is move around. It's a lot deeper than it sounds, believe me. So the song that brought us in was from that favorite game I was just talking about, Vampire Survivors. That was a track called Before Concession, and Vampire Survivors is a game that was kind of a sleeper hit. It was a simple little game put together by a programmer by the name of Ponkel. And he was using 
a pre-made asset pack and was learning about how to make a game in a platform called Electron, which is kind of a simpler version of like Unity or Unreal or something like that. And it just ended up creating a really fun game and people started checking it out. It was on Steam for like $3, so there wasn't much of a risk in terms of buying it. And then it just word of mouth took it like crazy. And I found it by seeing an article on Kotaku, which just showed up in my email one day. And the person described it as a very addictive action game that you can pick up and put down very quickly. And I was like, that's exactly the kind of game I'm looking for right now. My life is hectic as heck. I just need a fun game that I could kind of get into for a bit. Bought it, started playing it, and was in complete agreement with the games journalist. It is addictive and fun and got me really interested not only in that game, but in many other games that are like it. And so a lot of those games we're going to be talking about today, most of them have really, really good soundtracks, which is great because these games have levels where you're in one spot for a prolonged period of time. So you're going to listen to the music repetitively, and good music goes a long way when you're playing this stuff. So how I've kind of structured this show there's a large amount of spooky games in this genre, and there are games that are less spooky. <laughs> so I, I structured this kind of like birthday up front, Halloween in the back. Uh, so the first couple of games we're going to focus on are kind of the non-spooky games, maybe with upbeat kind of techno soundtracks, kind of like birthday party style stuff. And then uh, we'll move on to the, the, the more spooky stuff for Halloween towards the end. We're going to lead off with a very old game that I had completely forgotten about that I really, really enjoyed back in the day. It's called Crimson Land. This can be described pretty much as a twin stick shooter. Move around the screen, aim with your right control stick, move with your left control stick. But there are a bunch of differences that kind of set it apart from a lot of the other twin stick shooters that came out around this time and, and after it. We're going to listen to a track known only as Add-On 2, and this was composed by Vil Erickson. We'll be right back.
All right, that was a track known only as Add-On Zero Two from the game Crimson Land, composed by Vil Erickson. Uh, the original version of Crimson Land was released for Windows way back in 2003, and I think that's when I discovered it myself. I distinctly remember playing it around the time that Eddie was born in 2005. So, God, he's 17 now, so <laughs> I've, been, I've been playing Crimson Land for quite a long time. It was developed by a team of Finnish programmers known as Ten Tons Entertainment and was published by Reflexive Entertainment. And it really caught on. There was a demo version of it which came out. It was kind of like shareware. And then they released a full paid version that you could just go to the website and give them some money and they would give you an unlock code. And it kind of became a cult classic. The music is really kind of grungy slash industrial. Like it feels really 2003. Those guitar tones just sound very like, you know, PlayStation, PlayStation 2 era, dirty, gritty game stuff. And these songs are completely burned into my head because you listen to them over and over and over again. The game is a top-down style game. You start on an empty field, usually like a barren wasteland. Sometimes there's a little bit of grass, sometimes it's just dirt. And enemies start crawling in from the sides of the map, very slow at first. And as soon as you shoot one, then the music starts. The first enemy you shoot usually drops some sort of a weapon or power-up. You go and grab it. But the reason it's called Crimson Land is because huge swaths of blood, like, shoot out of the enemy when you shoot it. And the blood stays there for the duration of the level. So on particularly high population levels, the entire ground is just red by the time you're done. So ergo, Crimson Land. It's kind of fun seeing it getting, you know, redder, <laughs> redder and redder as you're shooting all these enemies down. This one has a stage-based approach, so there's a set amount of enemies that come in in different waves. You have a ton of different weapons to choose from, and one of the common tropes in the games that I'll be talking about, with very few exceptions, is the, I don't know, Wikipedia calls them RPG elements, but they're, it's just power-up elements. Once you get to a certain amount of kills or a certain amount of experience, then the game will pause and a menu will come up with a number of perks that you can choose from. And how you choose your perks greatly affects the behavior of your character. So you can make a very fast character with very few hit points. You can stock up on hit points, make the uh, reload go faster, make the gun shoot faster, give you more ammo. Every time you reload, you generate an explosion so that you're still kind of like damaging enemies even while you're reloading. So there's a whole bunch of things that you can do, a whole bunch of ways you can power yourself up. And I think that's what drew me to this game so much is really like, even though the gameplay is kind of the same, your character is never the same twice because you never know what power-ups you're going to have to choose from. And... You're never going to know which weapons are going to be dropped by enemies. You're never going to know what order they're going to be in. So at the start, it's very much like up to luck if you're going to beat these levels or not. And once you keep playing and kind of get better at the game, 
then you're getting good enough to being able to beat these levels regardless of what kind of power-ups you get because you're going to start learning how to cope with the different configurations. It doesn't really let you kind of stick with one and master it. You've got to constantly adapt to the selections that you have. And of course you can aim for the power-ups that you like and kind of pick those specifically from those lists. But you don't always get what you want, like the Rolling Stones said. In 2014, there was a re-release of this game, and they completely updated it. It started using uh, Direct 3D 11, and the graphics were updated to high-def mode. It works looks beautiful on my ultra-wide HDR screen that I have on my computer, and they added a whole bunch of different modes, too. There's a survival mode now, which basically goes on for an infinite amount of time. <laughs> There's a type mode where to fire your gun, kind of like Typing of the Dead, the, uh, the House of the Dead with the keyboard. You have to type in different words to shoot the enemies down as they come at you on the screen. A mode where you don't have any guns at all and you need to just basically run around and collect explosive power-ups to beat all the enemies. It's, uh, it's cool. There's a lot of different ways to play and it keeps it fun and fresh. The music hasn't changed at all. Uh, if you didn't if you didn't notice from the track I just played, it's uh, pretty low bitrate stuff, and that's 2003 gaming <laughs> right there. It's it's decent music. Vil Erickson is not that prolific of a composer. He worked on this game and uh, Turbo Dismount, which was another fun game where it's uh, like a physics-based... You uh, take a car and different vehicles and, and try to crash it into things to get the most amount of points possible. Uh, he also composed music for a game called Angelfish in 2004, which was developed by a house called Fat Hammer. They did mostly uh, Windows mobile games. And then there's a credit for Bill Erickson on Horizon Zero Dawn in 2017. I'm not sure if it's the same person or what, but their credit is kind of listed along with the other credits on his uh, Moby Games page. So, hey, maybe he's still in the games industry. That would be pretty sweet. All right, so we're sticking with 10 Tons as a development house. They kind of owned the arena shooter genre for quite a while. And I shared a track from this game before, way, way back on episode six, the dark sci-fi episode I did with Emily. And we're gonna bring it back again, but kind of share it in the context of survive em ups now instead of the sci-fi aspect. So we're gonna listen to a track called Cybernetic from Neon Chrome. This was composed by Jonathan Gear. This one's a little more uh, electronic. Be right back.
You know, second thought, that theremin lead really makes this sound like a Halloween tune as well. And that was Cybernetic from Neon Chrome, released in 2017, composed by Jonathan Gear. Uh, as I mentioned before, this was a game that came out well after Crimson Land, but by the same development, Team 10 Tons Entertainment. And I was really looking forward to it, because I hadn't heard anything from these guys. I thought maybe, you know, it was a one-off game. Some guy created it in his bedroom and enjoyed a little bit of fame and kind of moved on. So when I heard that they were releasing this game called Neon Chrome, and it was thematically, or at least gameplay-wise, kind of similar to Crimson Land, I started following it very closely. The gameplay is similar to Crimson Land, but it borrows some elements from Hotline Miami and the second Judge Dredd movie with Carl Urban, or uh, The Raid if you know the original Asian action flick. You are going floor by floor through this enormous building. They call it an arcology in the story lore. It takes place in a, like a cyberpunk future. It's part of the Neon Corporation, and over one million people live and work in this building alone. The building is completely controlled by the Overseer, which is a person who sits in a cyber throne at the top of the building, connected to a whole bunch of wires and doodads, and that person controls the building. And this person has gone mad with power and got out of control. Now it's your job to get from the bottom of the building all the way up to the top, defeat the Overseer, and free all the people. The Overseer, though, has the ability to change the environment of the building just by thinking about it, because he controls all these drones to do his bidding. So that's a great excuse to make the game kind of roguelike. So even though you're, you're following all of these floors up to the top, no floor is the same on any two playthroughs. The configuration always changes. The level of the difficulty still does increase, like the lower levels will still be easier than the more difficult upper levels, but you never exactly know where you're going. And that's kind of, I think, where it splits off. There's destructible walls, there's cubicles, there's maze-like structures, there's uh, tripwires and mines and all the stuff that you need to be very aware of. But unlike Hotline Miami, where you need to play the same level over and over again until you kind of learn the dance, as it were, to get through it, this one's just always completely random. So you're always kind of on your toes trying not to get hit. And because of that, you have an energy meter. You can get hit a couple times. You can heal yourself. Unlike Hotline Miami, where it's like, you know, one smack and you're dead. But along the way, you can power yourself up in different ways. You get power shards from the enemies that you defeat. And the more power shards you collect, you can visit terminals in the building. And in those terminals, you can upgrade your cybernetics. So this kind of starts the concept of enemies dropping these experience points that you need to physically go and collect, which adds another challenge to the game. Because not only now are you trying to defeat enemies, but you're also trying to get in positions where you can collect what the enemies drop. And that leads you to decide whether you want to put yourself in danger by going to pick up this experience points or whether you want to stay safer and far away and kind of hit the enemies from a distance. It makes the game more fun, I think, because you're just constantly trying to balance that risk-reward system. 
after a while, you can kind of instinctively tell, oh, I can go get these power-ups and it'll be safe. Or, no, I'm going to wait until I beat these five enemies first, and then I'm going to head over there before they blink out of existence. The whole soundtrack is kind of a vaporwave movie-esque soundtrack. It, you know, you could tell from this one it's got synthwave meets John Carpenter kind of a sound. And there are some, you know, much more kind of uh, traditional synthwave tunes on this soundtrack but i like this one because it's a little bit darker it's a little bit creepier it does kind of fit the whole party slash halloween theme that i'm going for um if you want to hear more about the game you can head back to episode six and listen to emily and i talk about the game a little more in detail what we didn't talk about though was the next game on 10 tons list and it's a game called judge and when I mentioned the second Judge Dread movie and how they took inspiration from this giant building that you have to get up through, uh, I wasn't lying because this game is kind of a takeoff on the whole Judge Dread concept in general. Again, kind of a top-down arena shooter, but they change up the formula quite a bit in some, some very cool ways. So we're going to listen to Down to Business from the game Judge composed by J-Man. This was released on PC in 2017.
All right, that was Down to Business, composed by Jay Mann for the game known as Judge, released in 2017. This came out uh, about six or eight months after Neon Chrome did, but Ten Tons touted this game as a prequel to Neon Chrome. I guess they exist in the same universe, but they don't really have too much to do with each other. I do like this track. It's a little bit downbeat, relaxing, but kind of foreboding in a way, too. I think the juxtaposition of the kind of twinkly synth leads over that hip-hop percussion in the background is what I like so much about it. It's just very interesting to listen to. The game is essentially you as a cyber cop. At the beginning of each stage, you see a top-down view, your police flying car (laughs) flies in from above the screen, lands in a certain location, and you're given your mission. Defeat this boss, rescue so many people from whatever, uh, grab a disc with information on it from a desk without being seen, etc., etc. And you run in there and you get to work. This is a multiplayer game. Uh, Neon Chrome was too, I didn't mention that, but you can play two people at the same time. It makes it a little more difficult, especially in Judge, because you're doing these police missions and a lot of times stealth is the name of the game, and it's a lot easier to spot two people than it is <laughs> one person. So, uh, But one person can also run distraction, I guess, while the other one does what the actual mission is. This one is way more structured, even though it is still technically a rogue light. Your missions will remain more or less the same. You have to do the same things every time, but the level layout to do those things are different. What I mean by that is you you have to kill the same boss every single time you go to that stage, but where the boss is and what the building looks like can change from game to game. So again, keeps you on your toes for sure. This one's a little bit different in that you collect money from enemies that you shoot and you basically hold on to that money until the end of the stage. When you go back to your police car, you fly off the scene and then spend all that money on power-ups that you can use for the next level. 10 tons tagline for this game is get out alive build your own cybernetic judge in this lawful but awful rogue hate top-down shooter (laughs) where you get to eradicate crime in the never sleeping mega city of edinburgh one other kind of fun neat thing about this game is that it's it has a slightly different alphabet there are no u's in this alphabet they're all replaced with y's so judge is spelled J-Y-D-G-E and uh, the city Edinburgh is E-D-E-N-B-Y-R-G it's just got little details like that that I think are really fun after you beat certain levels you can go back and play them on a harder difficulty you can get one, two, or three stars based on your performance and the levels and you need to have so many stars to unlock later levels and I just I got kind of stuck at a part where I just didn't have enough stars to progress and I went back and tried to get more stars on levels that I only had one or two stars and just 
could not make the grade. So it, it's been a long while and I've played a lot of top-down arena shooters since I last played this game, so it's very possible my skills have increased enough that I can go back in there and kind of breeze through it, but we'll see. Anyways, that kind of does it for our little feature on 10 Tons software. Um, they make some great games, and they're all pretty cheap. Well, Judge is still 15 bucks, but you can find them all on sale pretty cheaply if you're adding them to your wish lists. Most of them are available on Steam, uh, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. So regardless of what console you had, you can definitely go check them out. They're very easy to get into, very fun to play, and that's going to kind of be the theme for all of the games in this show, I think. Easy to get into, fun to play, difficult to master. Speaking of which, let's move into some games that uh, have come out very recently that I'm having a ton of fun playing. This is the uh, the latest game that I discovered only a couple days ago, and I've already put several hours into it. This one is called Brotato. It's a ton of fun. It's super silly. It's super challenging, too. Uh, we're going to listen to a track called Extreme Chaos, which describes the game in two words, more or less composed by an artist known as 2050-2050.
All right, that was Extreme Chaos, composed by an artist known as 2050-2050. From the game Brotato, which is currently in early access on Steam. This was a game that some people online had suggested as a, a game that's kind of similar for people that enjoy Vampire Survivors, and... There were a lot of games that I saw listed as suggestions, and this one didn't appeal to me as much as the other ones in screenshots, but I decided to give it a try, and I was really, really glad that I did, because even though the art style is a little cartoony, the gameplay is, like, sublime. It's so much fun. There's a selection of music from Aviad Zinamanis and 2050, who have contributed music to Brotato, and they are both members of Artlist.io, and their music can also be found on that website for uh, purchase and or royalty-free download. Anyways, moving on to Brotato. Brotato's got an art style designed by an individual known as... Flan, F-L-A-N-N-E, or Flan? I'm not sure. I don't want him to sound like a dessert. Anyways, a very talented pixel and graphics artist. We'll be hearing about another game he's worked on fairly soon. This one's got art that really reminds me of a lot of the Newground stuff, like Castle Crashers, Alien Hominid, very kind of like single color characters with kind of dark, shiny eyes. It's got that style, a very, very cel-shaded, very kind of darkish but bold colors, which is good because the action on the screen is moving fast-paced and you want these characters to kind of stand out and that design really helps them do it. The game takes place on a square playfield, you know, kind of similar to what I described in Crimson Land. Uh, you're a potato and you have a face and you have an arm or two, depending on what you start with. And you run around the world, or this little square, and enemies start coming at you much, much more quickly paced than any of the other games I've described so far. And your arms will automatically aim at the enemies and hit them, whether you're holding a gun or a melee weapon or just using your fists, magic wand or whatever. And you can get up to six different weapons, so your potato gets up to six different arms, all holding different weapons. And it's crazy because when enemies start coming at you fast and furious, all these arms are like friggin' Dr. Octopus, like just shooting and hacking away and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. It's a lot of fun to watch. The sound effects are kind of meaty and juicy. They all leave these little green glowing objects in the game that are just called material. And every time you pick up an object, it sounds like a, like a water droplet and they're all different kind of textured water droplets. So it sounds like a leaky faucet whenever you're picking up all this stuff and little trees might grow on the level somewhere and you got to run over to them and hack them so that you can get some health you collect as much as you possibly can and then in between each level kind of similar to judge you're able to spend all of that material on upgrades and they can be either weapon upgrades or ability upgrades or like uh, gun turrets that you can place around the levels and they will uh, kind of passively shoot the enemies as you're running around and help you out a little bit I don't know if I'm doing it justice by talking about it. It's it's just super fun. Even if you don't want to purchase it for like the four or five dollars that it goes for, watch some Brotato YouTube videos, and I think you'll kind of see what I mean. 
Uh, there's a great amount of humor, too, because the abilities have weird names like Baby with a Beard or, I don't know, Toaster Oven or something. And things that you can buy might give you, like, you know, four points extra of damage, but take away two points of speed. So you're slower, but do more damage. And combinations are limitless with these amounts of items that there are to buy for your character. But your appearance will change depending on what you've got. There's an item that lets you hack down the tree in, in one shot or one shop, and it's called Lumberjack. And the picture below it is a flannel shirt. So if you buy it, then your potato is wearing a flannel shirt, <laughs> signifying that you're now owning that item. So it's fun. Facial expressions change. You get tons of different characters that you can start off with. Some do uh, melee weapons only. Some are extremely fast but very weak. Some are uh, shooting weapons only. So you can kind of tailor the experience any way you want or just kind of play around with your configurations and see what works the best. The levels are only about a minute to a minute and a half each and you're gonna lose health. Like it's the game is so fast-paced and frantic that health regeneration is a huge part of the game and you're constantly kind of balancing your regeneration versus how much health that you're losing just because you're being constantly overrun by all of these enemies makes for a very frantic but very fast-paced game like i'm having a blast playing it and after some levels i'm like oh shoot i have to remember to breathe again the music goes a long way there's a lot of like really hyper energetic music in this game and it really helps it out even if it wasn't written specifically for the game i think it works really well so go check out brotato i think it's only on steam so far it's an early access Hopefully, if you're a console owner and you don't game on PC, you'll be able to play it eventually if it does get ported. I have played it on my Steam Deck, for those of you that own one, and it runs extremely well, even though it's not verified yet. So you can go ahead and buy it. The controls work awesome. Everything's readable. You know, the text isn't too small to make out on the smaller screen. So go check it out. Speaking of games that work great on Steam Deck, and I've been having a lot of fun playing, Vampire survivors this is the reason why i decided to do a show based on this genre to begin with and this also kicks off the quote-unquote halloween portion of our program tonight so i originally had a different track picked out for this game and just this morning um well i'll backtrack a little bit ponkle who was the developer and programmer of the game is doing an advent calendar leading up to October 20th, which is going to be the, uh, you know, when the game leaves early access. And each day he's releasing a new kind of teaser for the large amount of content that is going to be released in the quote-unquote final version of the game. So just today he releases a remix of a track that was originally playing in like the very, very early versions of the game that had to be removed for copyright reasons, but the same composer went and rewrote the song and is putting it back in the game as an alternate song for a level that's called the Inlaid Library. So this is a track known as Libro Inferno, and it's composed by Filippo Vicarelli, otherwise known as the Midi Tamer. <laughs> All right, so let's give it a listen. We'll see you on the other side.
Mamma Mia, that was Libro Inferno from Vampire Survivors, composed by Filippo Vicarelli. This game uh, originally appeared as an HTML5 game on a itch.io website on March of 2021, and then was officially released on Steam for the low, low cost of $3 in uh, late December 2021, just before Christmas. This song is a remix of a song that appeared in an early version of the game, but was removed, and now it's back in full form, which I thought was really cool. I'll play a little sample of how the original song sounded. See, the melody is pretty much the same, but it's um a little flatter. It feels like, at least when I originally heard the song, I thought it was composed using a, a Genesis or like a Defla Mask using an FM composition tool because it just has that kind of a flavor. But this really kicks it up a notch. They keep the same basic melody going, but they kind of accentuate different parts of the melody. There's some like crazy guitar going on in the background. There's a lot more to this final version and i think they did a great great job with it filippo vicarelli is a freelance audio artist based out of italy and he's been providing original music sound effects and voiceovers for video games since 2008. his other notable game besides this one is hill climb racing which is a pretty popular mobile game or at least was a few years ago and he owns a website called playonloop.com, which is his own royalty-free music website. So his music has appeared in tons of indie games as well, some probably without even his knowledge. But uh, it's it's cool that his music is so much proliferated out there. And um, this is the game that he's kind of getting well known for. There's another composer on the game named Daniele Zandara, and he composed the original tune that we heard that brought us in that very Castlevania-sounding track after Concession. And he's a freelance video game composer and sound designer. Uh, he's Italian as well, and he teaches piano. And his tagline on his Twitter is, I accidentally composed some music for Vampire Survivors, which I thought was really funny, because again, royalty-free music, his music just ended up in the game, because the developer was looking for Castlevania-style music. Lo and behold, <laughs> his music's getting heard by millions of people. He got his start in 2010. He was composing music for some short Italian films, but then he joined up with a couple of different mobile game developers, namely White's Games, Iconic, and Secluded Vision. And then most of those games like flew under the radar, so the music wasn't really heard by many people. And, uh, you know, like I said, Vampire Survivors really put his name on the map as well. So what I can assume happened with this particular track is that um, the original version of Libro Inferno was not copyrighted for streaming. And because the game was getting popular and lots of people were streaming it, this was getting copyright strikes. So Ponkel, the developer, pulled the music and replaced the library music. And now that the game is big and Ponkel has made a lot of money off it, 
he was able to go back to Filippo Vicarelli and say, hey, look, people are clamoring for this song because it was really good. Would you consider doing a remix? And I have the money I can pay you for your time and make a specific piece of music just for me. And uh, Vicarelli was like, sure, let's go and do it. So now there's 20 available tracks in the game as it stands. The version right before the final version, which will be coming out in a week or so. And they've announced that a whole bunch more pieces of music will be released too. So as of this date, October 10th, there have been two new pieces of music. Uh, yesterday was Libro Inferno, and today they released a new um, Boss Rush mode tune, which is pretty banging. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the whole body of music, and finally, hopefully they'll sell the official soundtrack in lossless quality. That would be amazing to be able to get my hands just on all this music and listen to it in the car and stuff. I mentioned briefly that the game has kind of a Castlevania vibe, and originally, Ponkle used a prefabricated set of pixel art to build the game because he was pretty much just learning how to code games and wasn't expecting this to take off the way it did. So he got a bunch of pixel art from, uh, again, a royalty-free site that had a very Castlevania vibe, and now because the game is so big, he's been going back and redoing all of the artwork in the game to make it more specific for Vampire Survivors, which again is great. Keeping the, the, the gameplay, what made it fun, but then upgrading and enhancing all of the existing characters that everybody kind of knew and loved. So they're looking more like, um, I don't know, like small Neo Geo-esque sprites now. Lots of animation, uh, some extra shading on them, and uh, kind of using their existing vibes, but kind of enhancing them, I guess is the best way to say it. So in this game, as with all of the other games, top-down view, you're on a field, you start off with one weapon, and each character usually has their own weapon, and varying stats. And the statistics that each character has can be how quickly they fire their weapons, that's called cooldown, how big their weapon is, how much health they have, the longevity of your weapon, so how long it stays on the screen for, so... Each character you can kind of mix and match, and they all have their basic starting weapon. You use it to start killing the few bats or skeletons that come on the screen, depending on what stage you're on. And you start to pick up these blue gems, and the blue gems give you experience points. And again, the game will pause, and a screen will come up, and you'll be able to select a perk, be it a passive item or a weapon. And what I really like about this system is that the passive items can enhance the weapons, like, different passive items are attuned to weapons. So they, they pair up together, basically. And if you get the correct pair and level them both up to their full amount, then you can evolve them and they'll become a brand new weapon that's kind of related to the original one, but is much more powerful and gives you a much greater advantage. The object of the game is to survive for 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, the Grim Reaper comes out and basically kills you dead instantly, like that's the end. Uh, there are ways to kill death. There are, the original way the game came out is, you know, death would come out, you would die. That would be considered beating the level. It would say you won on the screen. And then you would, you know, see your stats. Any gold that you collect, you keep. And you can use that gold to buy power-ups in the menu screen, which will persist so that you start the next game a little bit better each time. 
And as you beat each level, you unlock more levels and more difficult levels. You know, the object is pretty much to survive 30 minutes in all five levels to beat the game. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be probably a couple more than that once the final game comes out. All of the weapons are based on classic Castlevania game weapons. You got whips, holy water, boomerang crosses. They all behave exactly how you'd expect them to, except in kind of like a Zelda-ish kind of top-down view. Beyond that, it's got just this great progression of difficulty. You know, you'll play the first level five, six, seven times as you just kind of collect gold and get yourself going a bit. But once you start unlocking stuff, you really keep a forward momentum going. And it's rare that I got to a point where I just felt like I was dead in the water because you're always collecting some gold. And the more gold you collect, the more power-ups you can buy in the menu screen. So you're always inching a little bit closer towards the end of the next level every time you play. I've put about 125 hours into this game so far, and on a $3 purchase, I would say it's worth every penny. He did recently say that he had to uh, up the price to $5, which, you know, you go online and people are saying, I would pay three times that amount for the amount of content that's in this game. And he's doing that because he's hiring on people to do the sprite work. He's hiring on Filippo Vicarelli and Daniele Zandara to create bespoke music specifically for the game instead of their royalty-free stuff. So I don't blame him at all. This game is a huge success for him, and I really hope that Ponkel uh, creates more awesome games in the future, because I will be there and I will be playing them. Anyways, uh, so that's Vampire Survivors. Absolutely go and check out the game. If you're a console-only gamer, don't fret because he's in the process of translating the game to Unity, which means that it will be very easy to port it to the Switch, PlayStation, Xbox consoles uh, once that's done. So I'm assuming once the final version comes out, uh, they'll move the code base over and you'll start seeing some releases on other platforms. All right, so let's move on to one of my other favorite games that I've been playing lately. This one's called 20 Minutes Till Dawn. And uh, that's kind of the same basic premise as Vampire Survivors, except that's 30 minutes till dawn. This one's called Wasteland Combat, and I'm not sure the composer, because the only person credited for this game is Flan, who you might remember I talked about a little bit when I mentioned uh, Brotato. So Flan is creating this game entirely by himself. It's very possible he did the music as well, because I don't see any other credits on there. So let's take a listen to Wasteland Combat. We'll be right back.
All right, is Wasteland Combat not a fitting name for that tune? That was from the game 20 Minutes Till Dawn, released in 2022. Again, a a few months ago, there's still content being updated and released for this game. I think it's still considered early access. It's still being kind of updated for free. There's no, like, DLC or anything. Another cheap game, $5 or under. This one's got a very unique kind of pixel art style. Very limited colors, like six to eight colors, but very, very well done. Very dark game. It's got more of a twin stick shooter quality to it. You do actually hold the R trigger or the fire button down on the controller in order to fire your weapons. You do have a a reload period. So I'd say this is probably the most like Crimson Land of any of the other modern games that we're going to be talking about uh the one of the differences here is that the initial level that came with the game they just updated it to add another one but the level is infinite you can just keep walking in any direction there are no borders so that kind of adds some different tactics that you can use in chasing and fighting enemies instead of having a finite you know getting scared of being trapped in a corner or along the side of a level you can now kind of run in any direction infinitely the music itself really fits the mood of this game like i said it's dark most of the enemies are single color it has a metroid feeling of loneliness and you against the world There's very little else to look at except for your sprite and all of these hordes of enemies coming in from every direction. Same kind of deal though, enemies leave little white orbs and you collect them and when you fill up your meter, you have a selection of perks to choose from. In this particular game, you pretty much, you start with a weapon and you pick a character. And the character's ability and the weapon are pretty much what you have for the entire game. The items that you pick up only serve to enhance the existing abilities that you start off with. So sometimes you can get like a pet dragon or a little ghost that follows you around. Those are kind of more like passive things, but your your gun and whatever ability you have as a person is going to kind of make or break you in the game, at least as far as I'm concerned. Your object is to last for 20 minutes that's why it's called 20 minutes till dawn so you survive 20 minutes in the level and you beat the level and then you go back to the menu screen you can buy you know all sorts of perks and things that make you more powerful for your next run through and you need to survive 15 nights until dawn to essentially i guess beat the game so it took me quite a while but i finally found the right combination of character and and weapon to do it played through the game 15 times and and i had a blast and then shortly after that uh flan announced that he was releasing a new level to play and a new character would unlock if you beat that level uh that level was like a temple and this was much much smaller there were some big stone pillars in the middle and it was all completely walled in so gone was the infinite world that you can kind of run in any direction and now you had a a real problem with getting stuck in corners and a whole new uh wave of enemy patterns to learn for this 20 minutes so having gotten really really good at beating those 20 minutes 15 times i did beat the temple pretty easily and i'm still playing the game i still think it's a lot of fun i i just i love this kind of like mad max meets like 
folk art kind of tune going on with that like really low strummed acoustic guitar and the just chuggy very aggressive evil sounding bass and percussion in the background i'm sure you know you can glean that i've listened to this song for probably hours over and over again and i'm still not tired of it i really really like it so music choice is a huge part of these games and i think that's why a lot of these games have such great soundtracks because the player is going to be listening to it too over and over and over again i am hoping that when new levels come out maybe there's a few more pieces of music to choose from because even the uh, the new temple level that was released still includes this tune as the background music but we'll see who knows um even if it is the same i can still listen to it i have no problem with that at all the next game coming up has one of my favorite soundtracks of all time i've been listening to this one in the car all over the place cleaning the house this weekend uh i had it on in my basement just pumping the bass as loud as i possibly could drum and bass lovers i think you're really going to enjoy this soundtrack this is uh the cemetery song from a game called spirit hunters infinite horde composed by neil stevens aka injected if you got a bass knob turn it Turn it up as high as you can go without destroying your speakers.
Oof. All right. That was uh, Cemetery from Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde, composed by Neil Stevens, a.k.a. Injected. Uh, this game is a full package. The production work on it just blows me away. I had not heard of it until, again, uh, like I said, I, I was on a Vampire Survivors subreddit post and people were asking, you know, what games are similar to Vampire Survivors? And this came up on the list and I was like, oh, I never heard of this one. I'll check it out. And from the minute I saw it, I was like, I need to play this game. It's super cool. And then once I started playing, the music crept up and I was like, oh my God, this like breakbeat drum and bass nirvana going on here i love the fact that this is like you know party plus creepy so it's got the birthday slash halloween vibe going on but that baseline is something else man it's just menacing but groovy at the same time and it's got those kind of warm but brassy horn stabs in there mixed with like spooky little sounds and crows and stuff man so good Injected has been making music for games and independently for quite a while. He's got a Bandcamp page. You can go download all of his stuff, injected.bandcamp.com, and it's injected with a K. So it's I-N-J-E-K-T-E-D.bandcamp.com. If you love music like this, really good drum and bass with some breakbeat, maybe a little drum step, check this guy out. His production is phenomenal. The latest game on his Bandcamp is from a game called Galactic Mining Core, and it's got a good uh, 32 tracks, all of which are like three to five to six minutes long, and uh, you can download it for three British pounds, <laughs> which is really freaking cool. Um, you can buy his entire collection for 30 British pounds if you want, and that's 25 releases. So he doesn't charge a lot for his tunes, and they are top-notch quality. There's a good nine tracks so far released in this game. This game, like I said, isn't on Bandcamp yet. I actually had to kind of hack into the game's files to uh, pull the soundtrack out, but I've been listening to it in the car over and over and over again. It's It just feels so good to listen to. I can't wait for the full soundtrack to finally come out once the game gets out of early access so I could just buy it on Bandcamp and, and get the full quote-unquote official sounds. So if, if you dig this and you want to hear more of the music, let me know. I'll shoot you the tracks that I do have, as long as you promise me that you'll purchase the full album when it does come out because <laughs> these guys need support the game development company is called creature cauldron and it is an effort of three individuals pete cooper anthony enright and nathan buckley now anthony enright is known as windy beard and he's released several indie games on his own Nathan Buckley is on hand to do extra programming and implementing some of the, the systems in the game. And Pete Cooper is the art graphics design guy. They all deserve a ton of credit because the game is super fun and super playable. The art and inclusion of the music just blows me away. Pete Cooper's got this kind of post-graffiti 22nd century style with gorgeous colors and shading. And there's a billion different enemies in this game, and they all look like they've been drawn with the utmost loving detail. There's not a whole lot of animation, which is fine, because you really don't need a ton of animation in these games. The enemies usually just kind of 
fly at you and will fire things at you. And usually in these kind of games, the animation gets added later on. So I was a huge fan of the art to begin with, which got me interested in the game. The combination of the Vampire Survivors gameplay doubled that and then listening to the music once I got into the game, I was just hooked. So over the course of, uh, I don't know, maybe the, the month that I've had the game, I've completely played through it, all the content that there is. This one's more of an isometric view, so everything is kind of diagonal. And your character starts with one weapon, which you can choose at the beginning of the uh, of the level, and you can get three additional ones with you know the ubiquitous kind of menu screen that pops up. And so once you have those four weapons, then you start powering those four weapons up, and th th they seem to kind of go infinitely. I don't think there's a limit to how much you can power them up, but you know, you can make them bigger, you can make them fire more often, you can make more of them go at the same time, make them do more damage, and you gain gems while you're playing, and those gems can be used after each level on this huge sprawling kind of web tree. Uh, like a skill tree, basically, and lets you unlock little pets that can follow you around that give you Vampire Survivor-style perks that just make you a little bit more powerful when you start the level. And so there's a ton of them, and they all cost different amounts of money, and it just keeps the game moving along. And then you can unlock um, alternate versions of each of the three original stages, and then you can unlock harder modes of each of those six stages. And then there's a hardcore mode that you can unlock that you can use on a new save once you've purchased it. Um, so I've 100%ed the content that's out at this point, and I haven't tried hardcore mode yet. It's purchased and it's waiting for me. I might actually play it tonight. Um, I'm kind of curious to see just how hardcore hardcore mode is. But you know, I've got my favorite character. I've got my favorite collection of weapons that kind of work the best for me so i'm curious trying different builds and seeing whether other things i can do check this game out it's maybe coming to other platforms in the future totally worth it especially if you're into really good art really good music and just a lot of fun to play all right moving on is a game that i kind of bounced off of but i really like the soundtrack too and it's a bit different from most of the other games on this show, and it might appeal to some of you out there. So we'll uh, take a listen to Be Careful from the game Necrosmith, and this is composed by Dealery.
All right, that was Be Careful from Necrosmith, composed by Dealry. This is one of the few games on the show that's not in early access. That's a current release. <laughs> Currently now, I think it's at version 1.3. I like the music. It's got a medieval chiptune-y kind of vibe to it. And the game is very pixel art, so they mesh very well together. This game is very spooky, Halloween-y stuff. It's a combination of Vampire Survivor-style gameplay and tower defense and necromancy simulator at the same time. <laughs> There's some interesting stuff. You yourself are a necromancer, and your position is in this tower in the middle of this huge, sprawling land. Your mission is to protect the tower, and by doing that, you build undead so you need to gather arms legs a torso and a head and put it together make them alive and send them out into the field to discover treasures and resources etc which get transported back to the tower which enables you to build more and more dudes at the same time there are knights and the quote-unquote good guys trying to attack your evil tower and you want to protect it at all costs. So it's a bit of a, you know, like I said, a management simulator. You do have the ability to take control over any undead zombie that you build so that you can kind of play it in kind of a vampire survivor-like fashion, which is cool. It's fun. Um, the characters are very small on the screen. It's a little bit stiff as far as gameplay goes because the management simulation is what's really the focus of the game. I don't find myself a really big fan of that genre. So I bounced off this one a little bit, but it's well put together. It's not a poor game by any means. I think if you enjoy tower defense simulators and you like the concept of uh, literally building your characters from scratch every arm and leg and torso and head has its own strengths and weaknesses. You can build a huge, you know, tank-like character that can absorb tons of damage but moves really, really slowly, or, you know, your usual skinny kind of wave character that'll explore the map really quickly but will generally die as soon as it meets an enemy, um, and everything in between. There's a lot of different combinations of things you can build, and if you find a build that you really like, you can save that build, and every time you have those resources available, you can just click that button, build that specific monster, and send it out on the town to see what it can see. So it's it's good stuff. There's a lot of quality of life elements to it that make the game kind of easy to play, and at the same time, you've got this really nice, spooky, yet very listenable chiptune playing in the background. So it's a, it's a decent game. It's put out by Alawar. They've put out a ton of games, like the Beholder series, uh, They Always Run, which Dealry also composed music for, Song of Farka, Do Not Feed the Monkeys, and Distrust. So there's a bunch of stuff going back to 2016 on Steam. And um, they call most of their games mid-core games, which is not necessarily a hardcore game, but not a casual game. They, they somewhere in between the two, just uh, a little bit more sophisticated than a standard indie game, but not to AAA levels, which I thought was a 
very good description of the kind of stuff that they do. So, you know, if it sounds fun, check it out. I'm interested to see if anyone out there picks it up and enjoys it and uh, maybe unlocks some secrets of gameplay that I wasn't able to find during my couple hours of play. All right, moving on to the last track of the show. This one is uh, very unique and also a lot of fun. This one's literally only in demo form at this point, not even really early access. Uh, there's, a, there's a bit of content to play, but it's definitely uh, demo worthy. Again, I had to kind of hack the files of the game to get the music out, and I don't have a composer for it, but it's just the gameplay theme. There's only one map so far, and this is the music that plays while you're playing on that map. And the game is called Nordic Ashes Survivors of Ragnarok. We'll talk a little bit more about it when we come back. What a way to end the show. That was gameplay theme from Nordic Ashes, Survivors of Ragnarok. And uh, what a unique tune to close out the show. I do really like this one. I love those percussive vocal elements that come in like around three quarters of the way through. This just feels very authentic. And I'm no expert in Nordic music. But given the whole Viking theme of this game, it takes place on Midgar, 
and you're roaming around a snowy field and again hordes of enemies are coming to kill you and you need to power yourself up to maintain a, a level of attacking and dodging that will keep yourself alive having music like this playing in the background just really makes it feel like you're there kind of inside the environment again i don't know the composer i'm not sure if this is uh, just a, a royalty-free track that they added, or if once the game is fully out, uh, they will be adding more music and uh, crediting the composer. So if that happens, I will update the listing on the VGMC.com website. Um, I've put about 13 hours into this game so far, and it's a demo. <laughs> so again, that should tell you how much I'm enjoying it. Um, I have technically beat it, I think. There's a couple of mid-bosses that come out, and uh, I've beat them all, and there was a point towards uh, the end after a particular wave of enemies where like a dark version of yourself comes on the screen and kind of kills you with one hit, which is very reminiscent of the Grim Reaper from Vampire Survivors, so I think that means that I beat the game. Uh, I'm not sure though, I haven't really gotten back there again to see if I can defeat that enemy or not. But this game is fun. The unique trait about this game is that each character has its own set of weapons, and you can't really pick and choose, you can only pick and choose what order to power them up in. There's your standard kind of barbarian that's got an axe and uses some fire magic, there's an older wizardy kind of person that uses homing energy balls and ice and fire magic and then there's a huntress with a bow and arrow and throwing daggers it's kind of like ranged combat and you know all the qualities that go with each the huntress is a little bit faster the old guy's a little bit slower the barbarian's kind of like right in the middle um, and then they each, you see a constellation up here. And the cool thing about this one is that the action doesn't stop automatically when you increase your level. You have a button that you push when you want to go to the power-up screen. So you can collect enough experience points to power yourself up several times. And sometimes it requires two or three or four levels worth of points to upgrade a particular weapon or ability once they get higher towards maxing them out. So it's a little bit extra something to think about because oftentimes I'll get used to playing something like Spirit Hunters or Vampire Survivors and forget that I need to activate the, <laughs> the screen where I can level up my weapons and suddenly I feel like I'm getting crowded in by all these enemies and realizing that I have all these experience points that I need to use. Um, when the demo first came out it was only the select button on the controller that would get you to that screen. It was really awkward because to kind of like move your thumb to the select button you have to take your finger off of the analog stick and you need to constantly keep moving in this game. So I did make a comment on the uh, on the Steam page. I was like, can we please get a face button <laughs> to use to get to this screen? And they said that that was forthcoming and they did release an update and now you can hit like the, the triangle or the Y button to, uh, to get to that screen. So it's nice that they're listening to their players. Um, it's created by Knox Falls Studios, which is a team that's based in Spain. Again, it's a three-person team, uh, Violeta Casado, Esteban Hidalgo, and Adrian Perez. 
and they are all co-founders of Knoxfall. And originally they were making, it looks like kind of like kid-friendly games. One, two, blame, dino egg hatch, medieval clicker, uh, medieval alchemy clicker. So very basic kind of mobile games. And this really seems like it's their first kind of dive into something that's a little deeper and juicier. And I'm really enjoying it and they're doing a really good job with it. So hopefully when the full game comes out, there will be a lot more content to explore. At this point, when you get to your ability tree, half of the abilities are locked away and it says that they're not available in the demo. So I'm looking forward to seeing what all of these characters are like when they have access to their full complement of abilities. So it'll be fun. Um, it, it doesn't seem like there's any dearth of this style game to play and I'm loving almost every single one that I see and touch. So I'm hoping that this becomes a trend. Again, don't really have a good name for the genre as a whole. Survival games or, you know, arena. People call them arena shooters, but I don't know if that really matches a good description either. We need something catchy like Metroidvania to really kind of describe all of these games that have been coming out. I think Vampire Survivors has really kind of kicked it into full gear and people are getting inspired by not only the success of it, but just the unique gameplay and how many opportunities there are to make your own unique mark on this kind of game. So uh, that pretty much does it for the show. I hope that you guys have found some cool games to play, some cool music to listen to, some cool artists to check out. Again, you know, you can hit me up on Discord or Twitter or the website if you want more information about any of these artists. I'm always happy to chat and talk. You can find me on Twitter at the VG Embassy. You can head over to thevgembassy.com and on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see a widget for our Discord channel. You can come join our Discord channel. Tons and tons of people there that just love talking about games and game music and shooting the breeze. I'm pretty much there 24-7, hanging out and having fun with uh, all my listeners and, and friends and fans. So come hit us up there. You can also email me at the VGEmbassy at gmail.com if you have any questions, if you'd like to be a VG ambassador, if you're working on a game and you want to share it. I'm always up for um, talking about that stuff with you guys as well. You can also head over to patreon.com slash the VG Embassy, and there you can learn about how you can support the show. For as little as $3, you'll have access to a supplementary show called Embassy Exclusive, in which myself and two of my friends, Joe and Todd, who have been on the VG Embassy before, talk about current gaming topics and just have a generally fun, unscripted hoot chatting about all things game related. It's a, it's a good extra hour, hour and a half of content per month, and uh, current patrons really seem to enjoy it, so you might as well. Speaking of patrons, one of the perks of being a Patreon patron is being thanked by name at the end of every show. So at our tourist level, we have Cameron Childs and the Phantomire, our VG Emissary tier, Chris Myers, Chris Murray, Ganon11, aka Mike Stout from the Norwalk Gamer Symphony Orchestra, Kyle Kroll, the Dyad, The Last Recon, a.k.a. Daryl Bowers, from VGM Fight Club. At our audio attaché level, Cameron Worma, Carlos from the Heroes 3 podcast, and Scott McElhone, our special agent tier, Keyglyph, and Ryan Steele. And of course, our dear VG ambassadors, Frankly Zappa, and the patron saint of VGM podcasts, Alex 
the messenger messenger who i haven't forgotten about you alex we will be doing that show together very very soon now that i'm kind of back in the podcast groove and uh really enjoying myself with it so anyways thank you so much for hanging out with me during my birthday slash halloween celebration hopefully if any of you guys get into some vampire survivor style games let me know if you know of any that you think i might enjoy i'd be happy to uh to check them out um generally these games are extremely affordable so i plan on kind of checking out almost every one that i see as long as it's under ten dollars and uh having a lot of content to play and explore and I haven't been this excited about a bunch of games in a very, very long time, so uh, I'm super glad that a lot of them have excellent music that I can also share on the show. All right, so we will see you soon with another episode of VG Embassy. Until then, stay cool, stay safe, and keep listening to Awesome VGM. Take care, everyone. <laughs>